just welcome, this is Susie from Baptist World Day. So just to get started, you can tell us a bit more about your work, and we'll be hearing about that, but just tell us a little bit of um, sort of fun family facts about yourself. Well, I'm in a little bit of shock at the moment because my little baby, I just, you know, he was two months premature, he was so little, he's getting married in a couple of months. How did this happen? <laughs> like a quarter of a century he's just disappeared before my very wow. eyes. So that's November? November. Wow, now okay. big church family wedding where I've been at my church for 30 years and so you know everyone's married to everyone or knows everyone so the whole church will be coming it's, it's going to be big fantastic yeah. and so other than family which probably takes up most of your time what do you enjoy doing for fun and recreation I feel like church is my hobby right. <laughs> at the moment. Um, my husband and I just went away for a few days to the Hunter Valley. Now, we're not big wine drinkers, but life has been really hectic. And so we went to just this like little cottage with um, a fireplace in it and this nice family would bring us a picnic basket in the morning with our breakfast and we'd sit and look at the trees and look at the birds and one of my sons loves birds um, and so he's giving me an app on my phone so I could look at the bird and calculate which sort of bird it was and if it was a really rare one I'd send him a photo and he'd be so impressed with me and you know you live to get your kids to be impressed with you and that's um, right it's so your whole goal I thought I was a real city girl and, you know, I need to be near cafes and cinemas, but actually the peace and quiet was just beautiful. Fantastic. Mm. And you mentioned, so you've been at your church for around 30 years. Yeah. And how long have you been with Baptist World Aid? Only for 14 months. Oh, wow. So it's a new, a new yeah, role. Yeah, I started um, as a maternity leave position. Okay. And now Eliza has come back half-time, and so I get to stay half-time and we job share. Beautiful. Really nice. Well, it's great yeah. to have you um, here. And so what we're going to do tonight, just in case you don't know our format, Susie's going to speak to us for a little while. Then we're going to take uh, a break and give you guys a chance to process and to come up with some questions. And then we have a panel that we're going to invite up on stage and we'll work through some questions and we'll give some questions back to you as tables and all of that. But right now I'm going to hand it over to Susie. Great. Thanks. So I'm actually going to start by getting you to do some work. So we're starting with a little quick quiz. Now, all you need to remember is seven letters. So if you've got a really great brain, you don't need anything. But otherwise, if you're like me, you need a phone or something. You can just write down. I, I've got seven questions, and they've got multiple choice answers. You just need to remember A, B, or C. But you'll need it to check your answers at the end. Okay? So we'll, we're going to fly through it pretty quickly. But just find a way that you can note down your answers. So I just want to see, you know, where, where we're at, how much you know, that sort of thing. So we're going to look at um, how much you know about the state of the world at the moment. So how far do we have to go to end poverty is, is what this quiz is. So the, in the first question, in all low-income countries across the world today, how many girls do you think finish primary school? Just quick guess, write down A, B or C and we'll come back to the to the answers at the end. Ready? I'm going pretty quick. Okay, next one. What do you think is the average life expectancy across the world today? Do you think it's 50 years, 60 years, 70 years? A, B or C? Okay. 
in the world today there are two billion children. Um, how many children do you reckon that the United Nations has calculated there will be um, at the end of this century? Do you think the number of children will double, stay about the same, A, B or C? Probably if you were talking about climate change last week, you know that the number of natural disasters um, in the world has been increasing. Do you think that the deaths from natural disasters over the last 100 years have doubled, remained the same or decreased? A, B or C? Okay. How many of the world's one-year-old children today have been vaccinated against some of the you know, killer diseases? The, the most dangerous time in a child's life is the first five years of life. Um, how many kids do you think we've managed to vaccinate? Okay. So, this is interesting. 30-year-old men have spent 10 years on average in school. How many years do you think women of the same age spend in school? If you're thinking across the whole world, there's a bit of a difference, but how big do you think that difference is? Okay. And the last one, how many people in the world do you think have some access to electricity? A, B or C? Okay. Got your answers all locked in? Now, I'm going to go through the answers. You get to score one for each correct answer. But let me tell you, most of you are not going to do well. Um, in fact, um, Professor Hans Rosling, who sadly died the earlier this year, um, you can look for him on TED Talks, this gorgeous, um, uh, full-of-life character. who taught, he, He's like a professor of public health. And he's been t doing this exact quiz, although there's 13 questions, I've just kind of cut them in half, to CEOs of big companies, to, to big banks, to people who are doing international aid and development, to, you know, professors, all sorts of people across the world. He's been doing it for years and years, this same quiz. And what he's found is that consistently everybody performs worse than a chimpanzee would. If I had three bananas for a chimpanzee here and, you know, A, B and C and just at random, you know, 33 and a third percent is what the chimp's going to get, right? I predict that some of you are going to be disappointed. You're probably all really high achievers. Just <laughs> calm down, okay? It's not just you. All right, ready? 60 percent of girls in the world today are finishing primary school. Which doesn't sound like enough, right? So we still have a way to go. But is it more than most of you thought? We're gonna get you to put up your hands at the end, just, you know, no cheating. Number two, life expectancy across the world today is 70 years. There are some countries, in Nepal I think it's still like 40 something years. So that is pretty amazing that people on average are living so old these today. This one I think you'll find is really surprising because everybody talks about how population of the world is growing and how are we going to fit everybody into the world, right? Have you heard about population being a big issue? Yeah? But what's happening is 
the really great work we've done in aid and development work around the world in, in poorer countries in helping women to have more choice, um, to more education. E education for women is the number one thing for keeping um, uh, sizes of families down and for getting people out of poverty. It's actually been working so well that these there are still so many children in the world because a generation ago, lots of women were having lots of babies in poor countries, but it's slowed down so much that um, that by the end of this century, population will stop rising, it'll, it'll plateau, which is pretty cool. We're also doing a really good job in aid and development of helping people in mostly Asian countries, um, uh, Asia-Pacific is the area of the world that's having the most natural disasters, but we're doing a really good job of helping people to learn, um, to prepare for them, to do a better job of knowing how to manage a disaster so fewer people are dying. Great news, right? Eighty percent of the world's children are being vaccinated against diseases so they are more likely to live. Great, right? I can't wait to see how well you've done in this. <laughs> and <laughs> finally, we are starting to get some kind of gender equity in um, women getting education as well as men, which is pretty good. And 80% of the world's population has access to electricity. Really great, except for... If the coal is pro producing the electricity, not so good. All right, here we go. Put up your hand if you got seven out of seven. I told you. Six, five, guys, I told you. I did this with uh, a church and um, we had the kids in as well and the kids did so much better than the adults because, you know, they haven't, hadn't, hadn't, had cynicism built into them yet. Um, four. Woohoo! Oh, yeah, but you're all with this one of our panelists, so she's a bit cluey. Three. Okay, so you guys still failed, but <laughs> well done. <laughs> Two. Two. Woohoo! Congratulations. One. Woohoo! Okay, so <laughs> those of you that got none, we won't ask you to put your hands up. But um, if you're interested to know more, um, this is the book that Hans Rosling um, has written. That, and if you go to gapminder.org, you can do the entire quiz and, and you can do it over and over until you get it all right. And then they'll even send you a certificate. So there you go. <laughs> Their aim is to get everybody in the world to have a better idea of the really great work that we're doing to end poverty. It's good news, isn't it? You don't, you, we kind of get a bit mixed up in our heads because the news shows us every terrible thing that happens in the world and so we get a bit of a skewed idea of what a terrible state the world is in. But actually, good on us, we're doing a really good job. I'm, I'm really proud to work for Baptist World Aid because one of the things we do is, these is work with partners overseas, Christian churches like this, who are helping their local community with all of these things. And it's working. We're asked as Christians 
to care about those that are in need, care about those that are impoverished. And I can tell you that we, the technology is here. We can do it. Isn't that so much more motivating than hearing, ah, everything's really terrible, people are starving? Yeah? It is. It's kind of, all right, guys, just let's go. There's a little bit more to do. So spread the good news. Get everybody to get by them. Now I have one more question for you before we get into it. What do you think these pictures have in common? Now I predict that there are only a few people in the room that will get this because you have to be kind of as old as me. I'm looking at you, Chad and Parissa. What do these things have in common? When I was growing up, everybody smoked. If you wanted to go out at night to a pub or to, to, I was lucky enough to grow up in the disco era. And so if you went out to a disco, everybody was smoking. You'd come home all your clothes stinking of smoke. Um, when I was growing up, whaling was a thing. People would just decimate whales all around the world. When I was growing up, there was apartheid in South Africa. There was, you know, Racism was a really big thing still. Um, you didn't have to have seatbelts in the back of the car, so people died. Um, there were nuclear bombs being tested in the Pacific, just right near us. That was just a thing. And young men were being sent off to the Vietnam War from Australia. The thing that these all have in common is that they were all stopped by advocacy. Now, my role at Baptist World Aid is I'm the advocacy coordinator. Advocacy is standing up and saying, this is not right and it needs to change. At Baptist World Aid, there are two ways that we're trying to end poverty. One is the way I've already mentioned, that we have partners that are doing community development overseas to help people to help themselves. But the other way, let me explain it like this. You've probably all heard of the saying, if you feed a man a fish, if you, if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, but if you teach him how to fish, you feed him for a life, lifetime. Have you heard that before? But what happens if that man who you know, lives in a traditional village where they've been fishing for generations and he's got some kind of you know, slightly greedy or corrupt dictator running his country who sells off his traditional fishing lands to some big multinational corporation that comes in and runs everybody off their land. This fisherman now has no way to feed his family he may then need to sell off his daughters in marriage so that at least they can be fed. That multinational corporation might employ these um, traditional fishermen back into their factory but at lower than a living wage because what choice do they have? There are political and economic and social systems that keep people squashed down in poverty um, despite their best efforts. You know, the, f the local fisherman, the local factory worker, the woman that's, that's working in a clothing factory may want to do the best by her family, may want to work as hard as she can, 
but if there are systems like modern slavery or political corruption or um, racism or gender inequality or something in the culture, these things stop the average person being able to get ahead. And so advocacy is when we step up and say, this is not right. We're living here in a democracy where that's exactly what we're supposed to be able to do. A democracy means I can stand up and say, my vote says, my freedom to speech says that I can say this is not right. Advocacy is one way that we end poverty, but the trick to advocacy is that you need lots of people involved to do it. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about some of the ways we can do that. But the Bible talks about advocacy. It doesn't use the word all the way through. But when you read something like Proverbs 31 that says that we should speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of those who are destitute, we should speak up and we should judge fairly. We should decide what is just, what is right, and defend the rights of the poor and the needy and the traditional fishermen and the woman working in a factory and being, um, you know, treated harshly by her boss, by the people that are kept in modern slavery. It's our job to use our God-given brains, our God-given sense of justice, our God-given understanding that everybody is, um, is made in the image of God, to stand up and say, actually, that's not fair. Actually, this needs to change. Advocacy is interesting um, because I can do something on my own I can decide to shop ethically, and I'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, we can decide to recycle. We can decide to, you know, make sure that we don't use too much hot water. My sons both have cold showers because they're so dedicated to saving the planet. Anyway, God bless them. That means I can have twice as long a hot shower, but anyway. <laughs> but whatever I decide to do by on my own works even better if I can get others to join me. So if we consumers, each one of us, if we all decide that we only want to buy clothes or um, anything really that's ethically made, then that puts pressure on the companies to change their ways. So that's what we're doing at Baptist World Aid with the, the ethical fashion guide that's sitting on your tables We've been um, spending the last five or six years building relationships with corporations who um, are involved in the fashion industry. Some of the poorest workers in the world are involved in the fashion industry. Sometimes it's modern slavery that's keeping people in the fashion industry. It's a huge, huge um, industry. When I said before that in order to end poverty, we need to look at the political, the corporate and the social systems that are keeping people squashed in poverty. The way we're doing it with fashion is we are, we are trying to build relationships with the corporations and say, we the consumers care about the way you treat your workers. We the consumers, the people that are buying your clothes, we care about 
whether you've ruined the environment in order to make your clothing. We care about whether you're locking women up for 12 hours a day in unsafe conditions in order to make our clothes. We care as consumers whether our t-shirts and clothes have been made for such a tiny amount of money that the people making them are not getting a living wage. And when all of us together do that, the corporations, they listen. We have seen over the last five or six years of producing the Ethical Fashion Guide that companies are improving. They're increasing their engagement with us. They're, they're trying harder to work out where their cotton comes from and where the children are being sent out into the field to get in the cotton. They're trying harder to work out whether people are in the factories that, that give them clothes are being paid a living wage. It's pretty cool. We're building relationships with these companies. I'll show you some of the impacts in a minute. But the other great thing about advocacy is that um, it, it grows. So I can decide that I'm going to give generously to help people get out of poverty. But the other thing that advocacy does is we talk to the political powers. So a couple of times a year, I'll go down to Parliament House and a whole group of us, um, Christians together, will go and visit all of the members of Parliament and say, we care about people who are poor. We care about people who are being stuck in modern slavery. We think that as one of the, the top one or two richest countries in the world, we are, Australia is one or, one or two with um, Norway. We keep swipping, swapping, and I think we have beaches, so we win, right? Um, surely, surely that means that we can be generous. Um, and sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. But advocacy is slow, persistent, noisy work um, where we keep on saying to our politicians, we are Christians and this is what we care about. God cares about the poor. We want to stand up and say we care about the poor and we want our country to as well. And of course we have access to the master of the universe in prayer. So every time you pray on behalf of someone who has been treated unfairly, every time you pray on behalf of someone who is, is vulnerable, is, is oppressed, is, is in a worse situation than you, then that is advocacy. Prayer is speaking up to the one person who you know, really has the most power to do something about it. Every little bit of good that each one of us does when put together is really powerful. Um, I have a hundred churches around Australia who are involved in advocacy campaigns um, that, we, that we're resourcing each year. The Ethical Fashion Guide that you now have in front of you and that you could also get on your phone, we have an app as well, um, engages with 400 different fashion brands. We had 133 companies this year. They fill in a great big long survey. We have a whole lot of different metrics that we test them with. Um, and this year, for the first time, we have asked them questions about their, um, their environmental management because some little villages are being toxically polluted by the chemicals that come out of, of clothing companies. Um, so we're asking them, what are they doing to to care for their toxic waste use. Um, 
which is which is a bit exciting. Um, new this year also, if you go to your App Store or Google Play um, and and search for End Poverty, um, there's a little app there that that has now the ethical fashion guide on your phone, so you can have it with you. So you have no excuse whenever you go shopping now. Um, the way the ethical fashion guide works is we ask. We we ask all of these questions to the companies and then we give them a grade based on whether they're checking to whether they have modern slavery in their supply chains whether they're making sure they have no children working in their factories whether they make sure that um, that a living wage is being paid to the workers whether they're looking at their envi environmental ma management and we give them a grade from A to F and the c it's really exciting to see year by year the companies improving their grades um, and it's really exciting for us. It helps us to do advocacy because now by choosing to only buy clothes from A or B brands and to totally avoid D or F brands and to let those companies know, we have a, um, a way to do that on our website as well, or uh, sometimes I just take this into the shop and tell the people in the shop, I really like your shop but I can't shop here, sorry. Can you make sure that you do better on this guide next year? Um, that is advocacy. It really works. It freaks them out. The poor shopkeepers, they don't know anything about it. But, you know, ho hopefully it raises their awareness. I want to tell you a little bit about um, the way, the impact that this advocacy has. This is Christina Jessica. She um, is from a, a single mum family. And by the time she got to be 15 years old, she realised that she couldn't afford to stay in school anymore. Her mum couldn't look after her. She, had, she felt she had no choice but to go and work in the local um, uh, cotton factory. She was told that she'd get 100 rupees a, um, a week, which is about $2, and that she would work eight-hour days. In fact, she was only given 40 rupees a week and she had to work 12-hour days. Um, there were no kind of sick days or work health and safety or OHS or anything like that. She had respiratory problems because breathing in the fibres, you know, they weren't given masks. Um, and it was kind of worse than that because when she went and asked, you know, for a pay rise, um, her boss said, only if you sort of give me some extra favours, or sometimes um, the, the, the lights would all go off and and the women in the factories would be abused um, to the point where Christina was unable to get married because it was clear that anyone worked in these fashion, uh, you know, um, clothing factories was kind of damaged goods, which is all pretty horrible. She was um, talking to one of my colleagues and was in tears and saying, I don't like to talk about this part of my life but I want you to tell other people so it won't happen to other girls. This fashion guide, um, ethical fashion guide, and all of us shopping ethically has had an impact on companies. Um, cotton on. Cotton has been a really big issue because um, Uzbekistan literally was shutting down schools and sending the kids out to, to harvest the cotton um, 
Cotton On got a bad score back in 2013 and was horrified at this and um, we, w we wanted to engage them a bit more so we had a postcard campaign. So we were asking people to get everybody in church to sign a, um, a postcard saying, Cotton On, we want you to do better. Um, they're an Australian company. And they, um, they ended up flying my boss down to their big, you know, fancy offices in Melbourne um, to try and tell him to lay off and stop, you know, campaigning. Um, and, you know, he made a really great case and, and the CEO just said, look, to his, his chief financial officer, can you just go and write, you know, work out on an envelope how much it would cost our company to do all these things that he's asking us to do. Um, so we can just shut him up and send him on his way, right? And so, you know, really awkward, you know, cup of coffee time while he's waiting for him to do this. The guy comes back and says, if we did all these things that these Baptists are demanding us to do, it would cost this company $9 million. And the CEO said, is that all? Let's do it. Cotton On is one of our best brands now. They get an A. David Jones um, is another one, uh, was performing really badly back in 2013. They were bought by Woolworth South Africa, kind of weird, but um, one, one of the um, conditions for buying it was that they improved their score in our ethical fashion guide. How amazing. So they have, they've consistently improved to the point where David Jones now um, is, is on track and their target is that everything sold in their shop will be ethical. Isn't that amazing? We had a part to play in that. Kmart um, pretty much benchmarks the way they um, choose their fashion based on our recommendations. Over the years we've built relationships with these companies and Kmart have told us that their their fashion factories um, affect half a million people. Half a million people have been affected because of the advocacy of people like you and me deciding to buy ethically. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? So this little fashion guide, the advocacy that we've done over the years of this, has changed the lives of millions of people pulling them out of poverty, encourage them to to encouraging their um, fashion brands to pay them better wages. Isn't that good? Now, when I said that to a group of pastors at the New South Wales Assembly, they gave me some applause. Can I hear some applause? <laughs> Millions of people. Thank you. You might notice these other people on, on the side here. Outland Demum is one of our favourite brands, um, gets top scores all the time. They literally were created in order to be a training ground for girls who have been rescued from slavery um, and to give them a new skill. So they teach them to make jeans and Meghan Markle wore their jeans and they had a 2,000% turnover immediately. So there you go, pretty good. People like you, Baptists all around Australia, um, all sorts of people um, have downloaded our ethical fashion guide, 55,000 just since the beginning of last year. 
Um, when we, e every year we launch it, um, this year we had 285 media pieces. We, we've been on TV, radio. We actually get the general public being really interested um, in using this. 70 churches have a, a formal launch of the guide, so here it is to, to you know, invite their friends and um, let them know about it. 100 churches have had actions. My, my absolute favourite is there on the left is a clothes swap event that we run every year at our church. Um, to try and stop us buying fast fashion, we all bring um, a few items of our favourite, but, you know, maybe they don't fit any more clothes. And, um, and we have this swap and, you know, ours is on the 7th of September. I'll be talking to my church about some of these things. And then we'll have this frenzy of... of Changing our clothes. This is a clothes swap item I'm very happy with. So um, that's a really fun thing to do. It's also really easy to invite your friends to. Um, you know, sometimes you, you, know, you get tired of trying to invite friends to church. Invite them to clothes swap, no problem. A great opportunity to let them know that Christians care about justice and ending poverty. Um, on Netflix is a documentary called The True Cost, which is amazing, um, tells you everything you need to know about the fashion industry. So some churches are putting on um, a whole event where they show the True Cost documentary. Um, and then we have a simulation game that's a really fun thing to do as well, where you actually get to pretend that you're in a factory and we've got a script and um, somebody gets to pretend to be a, a really harsh, horrible worker um, manager and you get to experience what it's like. There's also an impact on governments. Um, just last year, the New South Wales and federal governments both implemented a modern slavery act. We're one of only a handful of countries in the world and it's partly because of our advocacy. Um, we made submissions to the government saying we want to make sure that Australian companies have to be held to some account to, to make sure that they don't have any slavery in their supply chain. Um, we sometimes forget, sometimes Christians think, oh, we don't want to get political. But when Jesus was around, just saying that Jesus is Lord in a, pl in a world where Caesar was supposed to be Lord was in itself a political act. So we're going to get you to be thinking about what all of this that I've just raved on about means to you. Um, here are a couple of questions to get you thinking, but we're actually going to have a break now um, and give you an opportunity to ask the panel, who are coming up soon, um, any of your questions. Supper time. Yeah? 